Dino. Dino. She stopped that. Dino. Dino. Is that even a chance? That was a chance. Dino. 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 This is Mentality Podcast. Welcome to it, where we would haul hot hell. <laughs> Welcome to the Mentality Podcast. Welcome to We Would Hall Hotel. We have got Brian Dean on the podcast. He came by for about 40 to 45 minutes, so it's a quick one as this, but it's a good little snapshot into Brian Dean's life. He was a childhood hero of mine, but also of yours, wasn't he, Chris? Yeah, I remember seeing him score, I think it was 94 95 season. Uh, I was seven, eight years old. My mum took me to uh, the old Highbury and I saw Leeds win their 3 1. Um, Dean scored I think Phil Muslinger scored too as well but yeah he always stuck out in my mind so yeah it was great to meet him um, he gave us a great insight into his career um, gave us an insight into those kind of challenges players back then faced how the games changed today some of the new challenges players face and um, yeah really good guest yeah really honest chat really about the dynamics of football with Brian and um, he has a little bit of feedback on the Leeds United and Sheffield United situation, which could be out of date by the time the listeners listen to this, which is gutting. But please do enjoy the podcast. It's a big one for us to have. Just before we kick off, I'm going to give a shout out to Response Mortgage Services. I know Andrew Quinn down at Response Mortgages and he's an absolute legend. I think he's a brilliant guy. And what he did do for me is take the stress out of buying my first home. Buying your first home is one of life's greatest achievements, but it can be a stressful experience. And I can remember those guys holding my hand throughout the whole experience of that. So I wanted to give a shout out to Response Mortgage Services. If you are looking to be a first time buyer, or if you're looking for personal protection or household insurance, give Response Mortgage a shout, please, because they are legends. Thank you for supporting the podcast and thank you for supporting our mission. Without further ado, I think we will kick on into this podcast. Enjoy it, guys. Brian, how are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Good to have you here, mate. We would all. Um, it's going to be a short one. We've got to finish up and, at 11, but yeah. um, I thought it'd be awesome to get you in, mate, to chat about your background in football. Sure. Um, Harry's Heroes as well, yeah. uh, which has just been recently yeah. on television on ITV and, and what the environment was um, back in the day for, yeah. for when you were playing and how it sure. might have changed. Um, sure, yeah. So I reckon we will kick off. With um, your Let's background, mate. Let's yeah. crack on. So, yeah. so my background is um, I'm from Leeds, um, down the road, brought up in, raised and brought up in Chapel Town. My parents from the Caribbean, um, first generation, Windrush. And, um, you know, that that was where effectively I learned my trade as a, as, a, as a kid. You know, we had to improvise and be creative. Um, that means, you know, things like, you know, we used to play a game called Gates where everybody, it was terrace houses, so everybody had a gate and it was like knockout. You know, we invariably we play with tennis balls because, you, you know, you play with anything large, it's going to break windows if you miss. So, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and other than that, the things I used to do growing up was I used to play a game called Wally with my left foot against my right foot, all of these kind of things you know, without realising were helping me to get a really good balance between my two feet. Um, you know, you know, I, you know, I think some of the things that really kind of moulded me was, um, you know, I think about kids today and how they have everything given. I mean, I remember going for a trial at um, John Smeet in school, just me and another black kid. Um, the only two black kids out of maybe a hundred kids, um, we had to catch the bus you know, everybody else there had their parents and so on, so on. So 
we we got into football because we wanted to play and we wanted you know we we were brave enough at that time to turn around and decide well we need to see what's outside of our own community and in those days it was very intimidating because uh you know you had you know it was very kind of in in a funny way you've got like we were in chapel town that was our safe place as as black people you know then you go to Middleton but those were kind of like no-go areas mm-hmm. so it, it was you know and a lot of that was kind of like misrepresentation um and, and misunderstanding uh, and lack of education so all of that's changed obviously but I, I think uh, having that kind of background and that kind of building up that kind of um uh, you know that kind of uh, oh God, drive drive not only drive I, the word I use a lot but I've just kind of it's like that it's like a resistance type yeah, of thing yeah. you know that you, you kind of you go in there and resilience that's the word yeah, I'm looking yeah. for <laughs> um, but um yeah, that th- those are things that you you know you're overcoming adversity very young, and it kind of you either you're, you're halfway down the um, tightrope, and you can either carry on going in front of you, or you can try and negotiate your way back. And it was just a case of keep moving forward. So you think you you had to come across a lot more challenges as a young lad um, playing football, learning yeah. learning the trade. Yeah, and- definitely. I think you know it's a lot different now. I think. Talent identification now is totally different. Um, you know, you've got people who will go into any community now to identify the best talent there is mm. and bring them out. Whereas in our day, I know that, for example, with my brother at school, you know, you had a lot of good athletes who didn't get a chance because, you know, scouts, people like that never went into the community. It was just, you know, it, the differences are so different now. Um, from that point of view, you know, there was a whole generation of good footballers, maybe five, six years older than me, who didn't get a chance because people didn't want to go into those communities. It was deemed safe or not safe or whatever. Uh, athletes, I'm talking about, you, you always used to see actually at the um, school sports day for, yeah, the, yeah. for the for the for Leeds, you know, like Scotland Sp- School, which is just down the road, used to win all the sprints, and that's where all the black play black kids used to be uh, they used to win the relays all of the kind of short distance sprints which is kind of you know it's like an overview of what happens now in athletics anyway so the same thing was happening but you know there was a lot of talent that kind of went to seed because of that and how did you kind of break through that sort of barrier that yeah, was around then well, well like I said the first thing I did was myself and Michael uh, God rest his soul he, he died um, quite young um, we we caught the bus together went up to John Smeaton school from up at Round Day on the trials and obviously we stood out because we were different and um, you know we, we you know Dave Cam who was a manager at the time you know he from that moment on he um he, he, you know, he took us to training every day, picked us up, you know, and, and everybody there, to be fair to them, were, you know, really, really good about it. They they were like, they couldn't believe the kind of, that we had this over overpowering um, want to, to come and, and, and go on trial. And they, they kind of clubbed together and says, wow, you know, because obviously they're taking their sons, their sons are getting driven there. My parents were working, Michael's Michael's mum was working as well. So, you know, they, they kind of said, well, you know, these guys, they, they're good players and we'll help them. 
Yeah. Were you always a centre forward as well? I was. Uh, there was one season when I was playing for Leeds City Boys that I played uh, midfield. Yeah. So I was a centre midfield player. Um, and I think that was during the stage where I was growing Mm-hmm. as a as a as a lad so you know at one stage I was bigger than everybody else and then people um caught me up I had like the old Osgood snatch on the knees mm-hmm. um and I think it was about 14 so I played a year there and then I think as my body started you know my development started coordinating itself yeah. I then sort of like went back to being a centre forward um so professionally always been a centre forward uh played in all three positions up front, I played wide left and it comes back to the fact that what I told you about with the balance with my foot, yeah. with my feet, I could quite easily go down the wing, put a cross into the box mm. with my left without even having to think about it on the right hand side and obviously as a centre forward. Yeah. I think Chris wants to ask about Leeds United, don't you? I sure. do at some point, but I was just thinking, at what point growing up did you think this could be a career for me here? Like. Um, well, it, from about the age of nine and 10, really, you know, yeah, I, yeah. it's different because that was the only thing that I wanted to do. You know, I used to get Roy of the Rovers um, and, uh, you know, that was what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I always excelled at uh, when I when I used to play for Yorkshire Amateurs, I excelled. You know, I was always kind of top scorer, uh, went and played for Leeds City Boys, again, top scorer went for trials. So it was always at the back of my mind that that's what I wanted mm. to do. Um, so from that point of view, if you have that kind of talent, you know, it, it was easy. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was easy for me to see that, well, okay, we're playing against Manchester boys or what, and I've scored and it's, well, this Standing is your out. age group, you know. Yeah, yeah. Got so you always thought this is, you yeah, know, I'm going to excel at every level I get absolutely, at. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I actually got to 16, didn't get an apprenticeship. I was down at Leeds. And then I broke my leg, broke my tibula, tibia, fibula, and dislocated my ankle. At 16? Wow. At 16. Wow. Um, and it was actually down playing against Chapel Town. So I was playing against some of my friends. Yeah. That was a bit of a distasteful situation because they hadn't really forgiven me for going outside of the community mm. to play my football. Right. Um, so, you know, and there, and there was people shouting things beforehand, you know, but again, it's like I said, it's that resilience, you know, that you, you can't kind of allow um, yourself to be, you know, to, to be, be, to be defeated, mm. you know, and you, you know, that was something I had sort of like ingrown f- from a kid really, mm. you know, from having to, having to kind of be creative in the street, you know, we, you know, we used to play tennis the same, you know, it was a brilliant childhood. We'd, we'd, we'd play tennis. So people would, where the terrace houses are, they'd draw a line where a tennis net would go. You'd have a tennis racket and you'd play against people from side to side. Um, You know, so again, getting all the hand foot court, uh, uh, you know, coordination. Um, Same with cricket. You know, we'd use lampposts or, mm. you know, always with a small tennis ball, mm. um, you know, and that's where you kind of, I suppose, you know, nowadays kids get taken into academies very early and they play one sport, whereas we would play, we were, you know, we used to make bikes. We, we, you know, all of the things that kind of gave us a rounded um, abilities, Yeah, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. we, we kind of, it was by accident, in effect. We were just doing what we wanted to do. And that, that knee injury must have set you back a, a fair and, bit then. Uh, and ankle and... What was it? Broken leg. Broken okay, leg, broken yeah. leg. Tibia, so, yeah. tibia fibula. Uh, it did. What, what happened was it, it 
it basically it happened just before Christmas, I think, and I or just after Christmas, and I was out for around six, seven months, and and obviously at that time it's we're talking about 1985, so it could have quite easily have finished me, and, yeah, I, and I was yeah, yeah. I was very grateful, you know, I spent many a night praying mm. um, that things were going to be right when when I. Um, when I st- when the pot came off and I started training and and so on, um, you know, and, and and by the way, I didn't have any kind of rehab mm. because now somebody breaks their leg, you know, you're in a short pot, you've got like movement. It was nothing like that. It was a it was a full length plaster cast. Um, you know, it's in that for six weeks. Then it's like four weeks with a shorter one, and then obviously you're rehabbing yourself because I I wasn't. You know, I was still a kid, mm, you know, mm. nobody knew what was going to happen to me. So, um, you know, but managed to get myself back into a situation, wrote down to Doncaster for a trial. Um, that was, you know, I went down there and it basically, that's where my um, professional start came. Cool. And then it was, uh, was it Sheffield United after Doncaster? Yes. 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 Um, my contract ran out at Sheffield United and um, I'd, uh, we got relegated that season and, and I, and, I, I, we'd scored 40 goals. I got 10 of them. I was only, bearing in mind, I'm only 20 as well. Yeah. And the, um, the the manager at the time, Dave Mackay, I went to see him and he was very blunt about, you know, this is what we're offering you. And I said, you know, is there a signing on fee? Because I, I knew that somebody small, um, younger than me had got one. Mm. And he said, no. And I thought, well, you know, I, you don't respect me. I'm not, I don't want to be here any longer with you. So I just kind of, I remember one time I drove over to um, to Doncaster and de- hand delivered my rejection of terms type thing. Mm. And then from there, uh, Sheffield United, and I spoke to John Rudd at, at Port Vale and he was very cagey. And I was like, <sighs> And then I, I spoke to Dave Bassett and Dave Bassett more or less said, oh, come down for talks. And I, I didn't know what was going on, but, you know, you know, in them days, I'm still thinking, well, do I have to go on a trial? But no, yeah. they kind of agreed a fee and all of that. He, he, you know, the first conversation was as I, as I kind of came over the, the paving lip and looked down at the stadium, I thought, wow, you know, this is where I want to mm. be. You know, it was just, you know, I kind of... Um, kind of fell in love with the place, you know. Is, is that um, one of your big highlights in Sheffield United from, from looking back over your career? Definitely that yeah. day, you know, um, going and signing that contract and just thinking, I can't believe I'm I'm at a club like Sheffield United. Mm. Um, and yeah. you're, uh, you're a pub quiz answer up and down the country. Yeah. Every, first goal score. Every other week. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. First, first yeah. goal score in the Premier yeah. League, which yeah. um, I think I've seen you in an interview before. So at the time, you didn't really think too much about yeah, it. Yeah, that's but right. As time's gone on now, it's like... Yeah, as, I, as I've... Um, as I'm now a, an ex-player and so on, and, you know, every time the, the football starts, you know, they ask me the same, you know, who, Brian Dean. And, yeah, it's nice, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's nice to be the first scorer when you had so many outstanding forwards um, mm. at the time. You know, Les Ferdinand, Ian Wright, Alan Shearer, Teddy Sheringham, Paul Merson, um, you know, just to name a few, really, you know. Yeah. David Hurst. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I was the first one on the score sheet. So it was a is a really good era for centre forwards in this yeah, country yeah. at that at that time. Um and and obviously the other thing about centre forwards at that time was you were the one who was supposed to score the goals. So like now you get 
midfield player scoring yeah. 20 goals a season because you have different formations. You have late runners from midfield who don't get picked up. You know, the centre forward, if, if centre forward didn't score, you had a problem. Mm. <laughs> you know? It puts a lot of pressure on you then as well, it right? It did, like, yeah. Well, that was just how it was. Your you know? job, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, look, there's different pressures and we we, we all have different coping me mechanisms nowadays. But that was, um, that was my job at the time to score goals. And I, that's what I grew up knew that I'd have to do if I wanted to be a striker. And thinking about that era, because we've both, well, I watched the first episode of Harry's Heroes, I haven't yeah. seen the second one yet, but yeah. you get a real sense of the real different culture back then than it is now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that something which resonates quite a lot with... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, for the guys nowadays, it's very much polarised everything. I mean, in our day, we, you know, we didn't have the great facilities. You know, I watched uh, I watched something from... 1992-93 season the first year of the Premier League on Sky and it had Paul Gascoigne in mm. at, at Lazio and, and what I did was they were playing some possession game but then I looked at the surface and it was a it was a bog yeah you know and, and you kind of you know now everybody plays on a on a, on a carpet Christine. you know so things were different then mm. you know and we we were more hardcore I think you know as time gets on you know, things when when you get things laid on for you, you you become more expectant to have those things, and 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 yeah, you know, we had different ways of coping with um, situations. You know, it wasn't a case of you sign a contract and you're on eighty ninety thousand. I mean, it's probably the equivalent nowadays what we would have been on the same kind of money mm. eighty ninety thousand pound a week, but it just wasn't the case. So, you know. That leads to other issues after football. It leads to issues within football. It leads to things like, you know, you've got people who are hanging on, um, you know, people who look to take advantage of young people with a lot of money. Um, that happened then. It's happening now. You know, it causes issues with um, mental health, mm. all of these things. And it's not just as, it's not just a case of going and putting a shirt on. It's about everything surrounding sport you know how people look to um you know take advantage and profit from situations you know right you know right through you know right the way through the whole spectrum yeah yeah it's um when you look back it's, it's very different like I say the playing surfaces how, how players acted and and I guess like the ownership on on from clubs for mental health for performance wise it's completely different and and obviously Chris mentioned Harry's Heroes and um, there's a moment in that where Paul Merson talks mm. Um, mm. it's 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 quite moving television actually because he's talking quite openly about being in a situation right now where his life's like yeah, gone out of control yeah, with yeah, gambling like, yeah and, I mean you know there's there's been a lot in the papers recently about how we, you know, things like, you know, what help there is for players and mm. so on. And, I, and, you know, I think right across the board, I think, you know, players have been let down, mm. um, you know, because it, it, in many ways, you know, ownership, you know, you can't just give somebody a lot of money and say, right, get on with it. Yeah. And and to anybody out there in the public, they'll think, well, you know, they're on a lot of money or whatever. But, you know, a lot of the time players who, People who play football are invariably from working class yeah. backgrounds with no real knowledge of, um, you know, the value of money, for example. So you might see 
somebody in a Bentley. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the advice he might have got was, you know, take a loan out. And he might have been given that advice by somebody who is going to get a kickback. Mm. So these are all things that out there, you know, you are... It, it's literally open season a lot of the time and you know you 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 can be open to um there needs to be more financial education there needs to be a yeah. lot more understanding of what players needs are because when you're a player and you train it's like being being a gladiator you know you're wired in a certain way mm. you know mm. and that what that means is you think a certain way yeah, so yeah. it's like if you're going for a jog or a run then they say cool down, you know, so mm. there's a cool down period, but nobody knows how to deal with that situation. And, and and that's, these are all things that people haven't thought enough about sport because it's all about those 15 minutes of, of fame. Yeah. You know, you, you, you see, and, and the comparison again with gladiators, you know, an honorable death is won in the arena, you know, mm. because outside of the re- arena, they don't know, you know, what, what, you know, I can't go back to being a farmer. You know, I'm used to, I've seen some, you know, I've had to kill to, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. You've these are experience, all, Yeah, you? absolutely. So, you know, people what might laugh at what I'm trying to say, but if you think about it deeply enough, it's, there, it's all, it's all um, relative, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to, to whether it's sport, whether it's being in the army, you know, People suffer from post-traumatic stress mm. when you come out of football because you've no longer got the adulation and so on of, of that of weekly the fans. high of yeah. absolutely you, you get the adrenaline rush every three four days and then when you finish there's nothing. That's that is a that is a hard thing to to think about and yeah. and, and you said players are wired differently. You know you might have one player from a working class background yeah. who's not had been raised that well and, yeah. and not had that, that yeah. leadership and, yeah. and it's the resilience again that he's you know he's got he's got through to where mm. he has done based on you know that inner inner strength. Exactly mm. and that's all he knows as well to yeah. to have those highs and to have that yeah. kind of boost. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say like football, I mean rugby league's like once every week. Mm. You're used to a Friday night building up to that 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 nervous day, building up to a Friday yeah. night and and that big game, endorphins, endorphins, and yeah. everything, and then feeling good after it, especially yeah. if you get a win. Football every three, four yeah. days, and it's midweek. It's, high, it's and, like that. It's like yeah. that. You know, like so. There needs to be lows. some sort yeah. of. I think we need to, in sport, you, you know, it needs to be looked at uh, more closely because you need to have a more balanced. You need to be sport needs to create more balanced individuals. Yeah, yeah. Um, because. That way, you know, the, making a transition is a lot easier, you know, into the second, you know, because we only get a short window in our lives where we are playing sport. Um, making the transition to the next step is very difficult because one, you're pigeonholed. Two, um, you, you know, you, you're not given, you know, you're always viewed as a certain type. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. When I went and I managed... <clears throat> I, I went abroad and, and I, I used that as an opportunity to to find out about myself. Mm. You know, I was totally out of my comfort zone. Um, and, and before I went, I started throwing myself into doing things like public speaking, you know, whereas I, you know, I was an ambassador for the Prince's Trust and sometimes I'd go to the, to the, um, to the prize giving um, ceremonies and, and the guy who I was there with, Andrew would say, oh, Brian, do you want to say a few words? And I'd be like, oh no, no, no. Yeah. And, and then I thought, 
I thought I'm going abroad. I, I started sort of like opening mm. up, and and that is a way of actually giving yourself back something because you know you you're kind of having that 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 self worth is coming back in where you are contributing in some way, shape, or form, and that you are mm. visible once again. Yeah, and and like I say, that that's it's more of a simple way to look at that. But you're getting that. You're replacing that day, aren't you, with that kind of build up? I guess yep. if you're talking in the evening, you have that build up through the day, and then you've yeah. got the the hour the hour slot where you're talking, and it's yeah. it's replacing or it's just using yeah. your values and, yeah. and and doing something in a different outlet. I guess yeah. when when I was when I was managing, I mean my my adrenaline rush came when um, I was uh, you know the build up had come all week, and then I used to get really nervous the day of the game because I knew that I had to send those players out with the right messages. More and so than when you were playing, or were the, were the nerves worse or better or comparable at all, or no, just it, different? It, no, it, yeah, it was. It's more difficult management yeah. because mm. you are ultimately responsible yeah. for their team. You're responsible for the result. So from that point of view, I had a window of opportunity to affect those players. And if I got it wrong, mm. then it was all, I felt it was all down on me. Um, if I got it right, then I would get a few hours to actually enjoy. It. And then you drop off the edge of a cliff because it's like, right, okay. On to the next one. On to next the next one. one. Yeah. You've got to build yourself up. So it is a real kind of roller coaster ride management. Um, and, you know, it's, you've, you have to give credit to people. And, you know, everybody's different. But if, if, for me, if I'd have um, if I'd have still been in management, then you know that I'd have had to adjust my thinking because there's no way I could have put that much energy into it mm. without it having an effect. Yeah, massively. Mm. And and how how would you compare your two spells at Leeds United? Um, yeah, I learned a lot about myself again. Um, yeah. I um, the first spell I, I came here for a record fee. Uh, struggled, um, you know, in some respects to, I, I put too much pressure on myself. And uh, the first year I struggled because I wanted to fit in. And after that, I decided, uh, you know, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die my way, you know. Like it. So um, I decided, you know, I'm going to do all the things that made me what I was. And it worked for me. Um, you Were know, you a Leeds United fan growing up? I or? wasn't. No, I wasn't. I was a. I, I supported uh, West Brom because Sir okay. Regis played there, um, and obviously having somebody to look up to who was yeah, playing professionally, course, yeah. um, it, it made sense for me. You know, don't get me wrong. I was a. Funnily enough, I was a Brian Robson fan. I like Frank Stapleton at Arsenal and and so on. But Sue Regis was the one guy that I thought, well, look, he looks a bit like me. Mm. You know, and, and I can sort of like take some kind of inspiration from that yeah so uh the, the the so in the end the first spell you know a lot of highs and lows a lot of you know understanding teams you know you know understanding managers and you know the, uh, there were a lot of things that were very difficult for all of us at that time um and i think it's different now you know in that managers then you know, they had control of the press. They had, mm. um, you know, they had control of you because your contracts weren't necessarily going to make you enough money so that you could say, okay, it was like mm. you were, every game you were, you were, you, you know, you're having to kind of make sure that you were on top form because you couldn't afford not to be in the team. Um, 
So that was a lot of pressure. It was also good because in the second year we qualified for Europe and I scored a, probably one of my favourite goals against Tottenham um, that got us into Europe. Um, and then the, the you know the rest of the, the third year we were in Europe and then obviously there was the 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 disappointment um, in the last year was from my point of view is that. I felt underappreciated at the club um, and, I, and I'd stayed when a lot of other players had gone. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, when, when they came with the contract offer, that was an ultimate slap in the face. Right. And, and I decided I'm, I'm not staying here and I can't work for these people. You know, and I, like I say, you know, I'm, I'm a man, you know, yeah, and I'm, yeah. I'm not going to be treated like a boy. In the second spell, um, you know, I came back. Um, in the, that was in the championship era, wasn't it? That's right. Because so, I grew up, I, I was born in Leeds, but I grew up in London. Right. And one of my first memories of going to a football game, football games, I'm a Leeds fan, was yeah. away at Highbury. And I think it was 3-1. And Phil Massinger scored twice. I, scored. And I think you scored as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's like my yeah, first that memory. when you were born, yeah? No, I was, I was seven then. Oh, so right. I, was born that was in 87. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. was 93, 94. 93, 94 it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I remember being at that game. Um, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a... I have yeah. a similar memory of, but it's your spell. Is it 03, 02, 03? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I have a similar yeah. memory. No, it was 04, I think, yeah. 04, yeah. I remember watching, obviously, a young lad Leeds game, yeah. and I remember I remember you playing. Yeah. yeah. My dad's had the family of QPR fans, and I think yeah. you scored three or four in a 6-1 win four, against them. Four, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I, I, I always remind them yeah. of that. So, yeah, yeah. my granddad yeah. will be happy that yeah. you're on. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, in the second spell, I came back. Um, I had a house in the area and I was overjoyed to be at the club. I knew the club was in a very difficult situation in that it had nearly gone into mm. liquidation. Um, they'd sold a lot of players and I, and I actually wanted to come back because I felt, you know, I could contribute in a different way this mm. time um, in terms of steadying the ship, um, which, you know, it worked for a degree. I didn't have the greatest relationship with the manager if I'm if I'm totally honest um you know but it, it it's it did a job um mm. for both sides and you know when I left I went I left to go to Sunderland when they were actually going up as champions so mm. I must have been doing something yeah, right definitely. you know yeah, yeah. and steadied yeah. the ship because everyone thought yeah. Leeds could go down and down yeah and, uh, and obviously it, they did a few yeah. years later but. and you know, you know the dif disappointing thing for me is that um when you're in the changing room and you you understand the the mentality of certain types of players, certain yeah, people yeah. Are, are quite happy, you know, to say, "Well, I'm off," you know, mm. without any kind of conscience, you know. And and I came back into the changing room and I saw certain people still there, and and I thought, "Well, these people are," you know, there was um, Gary Kelly was there, mm. um, you know. Michael Dubry was there, mm. you know, and there was some, so there was some, some good characters there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; they were probably paid very well, but at the same time, you, you know, I'm sure that Gary could have left the club, yeah, for example, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. but he stayed. Um, One club man, Gary Kelly. Yeah, think, that's he? right. You know, yeah. and 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 I kind of, you, you know, football. There isn't much loyalty. People will, you know, I've seen people kiss badges and all that bull. Mm. And, um, I, you know, I keep it real. You know, mm, I'm, I'm yeah. just, you know, th these are all things to fool the fans. Oh, kissing the badge is usually the kiss of death, isn't it? Because they're gone the next season. Always, well, yeah. Well, well, yeah, but, you know, I've, I've seen it so many times. And, you know, I, 
Look, I, I always try to be quite honest. I mean, I think at one stage, you know, if I look back, there was one time when I first joined the club and I had electric gates where I used to live and I had a fan come and, and knock on my, and, and buzz the buzzer. And if I had the same attitude that I have now, then he wouldn't have done that. Mm. But, um, you know, I think what you have to understand is that, you know, this is, um, this is, this is people's lives, football. And, and I, when I, when I finished playing, I used to go down and I'd do some, some work at Sheffield United, some corporate bits and pieces, not a lot, but I'd prepare on a Saturday. And then if they were poor, then, um, you know, from my point of view, that was my weekend done. And then I started yeah, thinking, yeah. what's it like for a fan? If you've, yeah. if you worked 40 hours a week and then you've come down and watched the football and it's been poor. And then you've got to go to work on 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 Monday morning. You and know, that might how, be a big chunk out of your wages that week. Exactly, or, yeah. you know. So the thing for me is this: when you're um, when you're a player, as long as you give a hundred percent, then nobody can say anything to yeah. you. Yeah, that's a good call. That is it. That I mean, that's a really good a bit of advice. But I was just thinking in terms of a young sportsman listening to this who who wants to try and make it, whether it be rugby league, yeah. union, football. Is there any advice that, that that you could give to them? Yeah, sure. Um, looking back, I'd say be very selfish about what you want, and you know, don't bow to peer pressure because I think mm. sometimes you have people in the changing room who will manipulate the changing room for their own need. And if you mm. are a talent, you know, don't be afraid to be a leader. Yeah, mm. you know, but you know, if if some if there's if you need to volunteer, I look back and I think I wish I'd have been the first one up for this or the because. The less you do it, the more you end up at the back, mm. you know? So, you, you know, don't be afraid. There's nothing to fear. Put yourself that, out there. Yeah. My, I mean, you know, my mum, my mum used to say, you know, when I, when I came here and I had a difficult season, you know, she would say good, you know, you know, one bad shot doesn't make a, 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 a bad gunner. And, and, and it's true, you know, you've got to just keep going. You've got to, you know, if you've got to that stage, then you must have something. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, where can people find you, Brian, to see what you're up to now? Um, Twitter, have you got Instagram? Uh, no, I'm on Twitter. I mean, I'm I'm not really, you know, I, I tend to kind of, um, I'm, I'm the kind of person who really, I try and be positive and I try yeah. and promote yeah, I like to have a laugh occasionally. Sometimes I'll scroll down and somebody will say something and I'll reply to them. You can't reply to everybody, but, mm. you know, I'm very kind of in touch with, you know, sensitive issues and mm. so on. You know, I'm very yeah. much, uh, you know, I'm not somebody, I'm, I'm somebody who is very aware of what I am and what I stand for. And, and I have to, to represent myself as a, as a, as a, as a boy from 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 Chapel Town who mm. is of Caribbean background, you know, I have responsibilities to to myself and to, yeah, to yeah. my family and, and and the legacy of of what I've done in football. So I, you know, I, I try and be as as good a person as I can. You know, look, nobody's perfect and I'm not saying I am, but you know, I think you get more joy out of um you know, putting a smile on your face and, 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 and trying to put a smile on somebody else's face as well. Yeah. You yeah. Know. We're just, um, I'm aware we might be running short, but before speaking like difficult, sensitive subjects, I might bring up one now that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. So Sheffield United and Leeds are both kind of battling it out at the moment. Yeah. How do you think both of them will get on in the end of the season in the running? Uh, well, if you look at, 
the last game, I think the balance has shifted towards Sheffield yeah, United. Because, it's in their hands now. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and you know, I, I have to say this, that, um, you know, I was surprised that Leeds didn't go out and buy a centre forward mm. in, in January. And, you know, I, I'm not saying that to be critical of anybody. I'm just saying, you know, having been somebody who's had promotions and, and so on, I'm, I know that when it comes to the end of the season, centre forwards win your games, mm. you know, goals win your games, you know. So I was really kind of desperate for him to get somebody. And Sheffield United, conversely, went out there and bought two more. So they've got five options up front. Mm. And um, it's funny because the year before I watched the Blades against Cardiff at home and Billy was up front with, I can't remember, but they, you know, Cardiff just came and set up and they couldn't break them down because they didn't have different options. Yeah, So I am surprised that, you know, you know, when you think about the, the injuries and so on down at Leeds, I mean, don't get me wrong, Leeds is a fabulous team. And for me, the ultimate, you know, I'd be so proud if both teams went up. It'd be very difficult to, you know, if I'm looking at it now and I was going to, if if I was going to bet now, I'd, I'd bet on Sheffield United. Mm. Okay. And yeah. how do you think Leeds would fare in the playoffs? Because there's no one to fear, I think. No, there's nobody to fear. It, you know, it, what you have to do is reset the yeah, mindset. that's the hard thing. The, when you're the, the mentality, yeah the, yeah. the mental side of it. Needs it, freshening up, doesn't it? Towards it, back end. Yeah, but the, 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 the issue is that the, the mindset you have to you have to wipe the memory bank almost because mm. those players will have the fatigue of having the whole season yeah. and then you've got somebody coming up in sixth place a Sheffield Wednesday or somebody like yeah. that so you have to really kind the of work so on that. different isn't it oh, you can't yeah. be down about missing out on big top time. two if big you've got time. a reset and big time mm. well yeah, yeah. it would be great if they both go up absolutely would be yeah, it would be wouldn't it I'd be yeah, well yeah. happy yeah, be going to Premier Leeds. League games every weekend yeah. for me oh, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I know this has been a massive highlight for me and Chris Brian yeah. to have you on mate big fan um, yeah. really really appreciate oh, you coming pleasure, on guys and, anytime um, yeah. you've you've, you've, you've um, given a lot of advice there for I think for young sportsmen and yeah. people growing up there so legend and yeah. um, we might see you again mate for a part yeah, we'll have to get you okay. on mate yeah. cheers pleasure, nice thank you alright